Beyond the, Beyond the Headlines. This is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight with me, Tian Wei. Happy the Year of the Dragon, the loan to all of you. China and Norway celebrate the 70th anniversary of diplomatic relations this year. Norwegian Foreign Affairs Minister Esben Bad Eide visited China in February the very first from Europe for the year. I had the honor of having an in-depth conversation with him during his visit to Beijing, and here are some of the excerpts of this interview. When it comes to electric vehicles, uh, we are more on the consumption side. Uh, China is a major producer. We, uh, in Norway now, almost everybody who buys a new personal car, personal vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, buys an electric car. I think we're approaching 90%, and we expect that... Uh, after next year, there will be no fossil cars uh, in sale. And why? Well, because we gave uh, very, cons- very good tax benefits, mm-hmm. but we also made it very easy to use because we have a charging infrastructure all across the country. We gave certain privileges, uh, you know, uh, that the toll roads had uh, lower prices for electric cars, for instance. So people started choosing electric cars. Now it's the norm- new normal. And in that market, uh, key... Chinese uh, car manufacturers are very present. China has smartly been, uh, you know, um, encounter some of these opportunities that emerge when the world decides to transition away from fossil fuels. Then you have to transition into something that has to be uh, clean energy production, but also clean energy use. And, uh, and that's why this uh, EV, uh, you know, we, are, we have the highest penetration of EVs per capita anywhere in the planet. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting relation to China. And I also see that uh, when it comes to investments in, in, uh, in energy transition, you know, clean energy, China is really uh, doing a lot uh, in China itself, but also increasingly abroad. We have an organization called the Arctic Council that consists of the eight countries that are actually in the Arctic. Uh, That's uh, Russia, Norway, Sweden, Finland, Denmark because of Greenland, uh, and then um, Canada Canada and the US. So that's the Arctic countries. uh, uh, But then we, uh, we have a second category of observers to the Arctic Council because you have to be in the Arctic to be a full member. And when I was foreign minister, uh, all, you know, many years ago, in my first stint, I, I was very active in promoting uh, China uh, as one of the new observers to the Arctic Council. And then there was an agreement to invite China, together with a few other Asian countries, in as an observer. And I, I was happy about that. And I've, I've, I'm seeing now that that has led to you know, further cooperation. Uh, there are uh, Chinese researchers present at uh, the Norwegian Research Station. Not only understand, but we welcome an interest of China in, uh, for instance, Arctic climate research, because in a, if you want to understand what's happening to the planet, you need to focus on the poles also. Uh, because because what's, what's the changes in what we call the cryosphere, which means the icy parts of the world, you know, the, the Himalaya or the North Pole or the South Pole, are very dramatic and they have global consequences, so it's important to understand them, and, and hence we welcome a research cooperation with, uh, with China's uh, great uh, institutes. It's time for a great family reunion. It's time to celebrate, to nurture, and to look forward to the future. In the year of the loan, the dragon, World Insight is presenting to you a special series of programs 
we wish all of you happy, healthy, and prosperous. Travel and consumer spending surge in China midway through the eight-day Spring Festival holiday from February the 10th to the 17th. The Chinese film market kick-started the holiday on a high note. The total box office has topped 5 billion yuan as of February the 14th. On the first day of the holiday, travel orders more than doubled over the previous year and ticket bookings more than tripled. On the wonders of the holiday economics amid the Spring Festival and how people are celebrating this important event, let's loop in our panelists from different parts of Asia. From Singapore, Lin Tan Wai, adjunct senior research fellow from East Asian Institute at National University of Singapore in Hong Kong, Edward Xie, chairman and CEO of Gaofeng Advisory Company, and in Beijing, Liu Zhiqin, senior researcher from the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies with Renmin University of China. Gentlemen, welcome to the program and happy the year of the dragon, the long. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So how is your Chinese New Year so far? Mr. Liu, you are based in Beijing. Tell me more about what you saw and how you have been celebrating with your family. Uh, I stayed in Beijing and uh, I didn't go to anywhere uh, ex except uh, those uh, hottest uh, places for, for travelers. For instance, Summer Palace, there are so many people crowded around the lake. And also, my, the most impressive event for me is to go to the Jinshan Park. So many people that climb up to the hills and come down, uh, because all the from two sides, the all the people that uh, squeezed against each other, so crowded. But the many people so feel very peacefully, very harmony, and also very uh, quietly. So move this uh, uh, event in a very uh, uh, exciting uh, atmosphere. So I think that. Uh, the stay in Beijing had made me really very impressive. Mm. So good to hear. Yes, but you know, it's always a dilemma, isn't it, Mr. Xie, that uh, during the Spring Festival, many Chinese want to travel, particularly after the pandemic. People want to have more freedom of uh, movement um, and they want to celebrate. But at the same time, wherever they go, there's a people mountain people see, as they say, the crowds of people it's because everybody is taking their vacation all at the same time countrywide so how are you taking that in hong kong yeah we are having a great time in hong kong um it's been a very celebrative and chinese new year for us in hong kong a lot of tourists coming from the mainland to hong kong and i also know that a lot of hong kong people go to mainland in particular to guangdong province which is right next door to hong kong i say many of the mainland tourists came to hong kong because of many of the exciting celebrations in Hong Kong, such as the big fireworks on the on the second day of the Chinese New Year, such as the parade, such as uh, the horse racing, which uh, which is a very unique feature, as you know, of Hong Kong, as well as the soccer uh, soccer match, the football match between the world star and the Hong Kong star. Oh, you know that those all those activities were very appealing to the mainland tourists. So. In Hong Kong, yeah, we do see a lot of crowds of tourists coming from mainland to Hong Kong, but we like it because it brings a lot of prosperity mm. to Hong Kong, and uh, it's been very fascinating. Mm. Have you visited uh, your hometown? I know your hometown is based in Guangdong. 
I visited last year. I didn't go this uh, this Chinese New Year holiday because uh, I, uh, you know, as you know, as part of the custom, our family actually got together. Uh, in this year, we got together on the second day of the Chinese New Year. It's part of our tradition. So we stay here and celebrate it together. Mm-hmm. But normally, we would go back to the hometown less, at least once a year during during some time in the year. Mm. What about for you, Mr. Lin? You are now based in Japan. Chinese uh, New Year is being celebrated there as well in eastern part of uh, Asia. And you're from uh, Singapore. Tell me more about how you've been celebrating. Yes, uh, usually in uh, Singapore, we will have the uh, reunion uh, dinner Mm -hmm. Uh, with uh, friends and family. Uh, The uh, special uh, unique feature of the reunion dinner is actually a salad dish called uh, lohei. Uh, And lohei is a kind of a dish where you have uh, various uh, vegetables uh, and also ingredients like raw fish. Mm. And then uh, you will mix them up uh, together. And the higher you hold uh, the ingredients, the more luck, the luckier you will get. (laughs) So that was, uh, that's always a highlight uh, for uh, Singaporeans and even Malaysians. Uh, when they uh, go back uh, home uh, to uh, celebrate or when they uh, meet their families. And this year in particular, uh, there is also a special feature uh, which has made uh, a news, which is uh, they used uh, a large number of drones uh, to form a dragon. And the dragon uh, uh, that's made up of the drones uh, flew over uh, the uh, Marina Bay Sands and mm. uh, in the skies uh, majestically uh, showing off uh, its uh, colours and uh, its uh, 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 majesty to uh, onlookers. And so this was the highlight of uh, this year's uh, yeah. uh, the uh, Chinese uh, New Year as well. As for uh, Japan, uh, it's celebrated in uh, Nagasaki, Kobe, Yokohama and Ikebukuro. Mm. Uh, these are the four spots uh, and each of them have their own different features uh, of celebration. So that makes it very interesting to observe, particularly for a scholar who is interested in uh, cultural uh, anthropology uh, to see the different kinds of uh, traditions and practices uh, that's being uh, in, uh, uh, you know, in practice. And so many Chinese tourists traveling to Japan, uh, to Singapore particularly, right? Yes, according to uh, Global Times uh, survey, and they did two surveys, the bookings uh, for Singapore was 15 times uh, the normal uh, amount. And this made uh, Singapore, according to that survey, uh, the second uh, ranked after Maldives. And according to uh, another survey, uh, which is uh, by the uh, Chinese online uh, travel agency, uh, Qi Nar, uh, and uh, this survey shows that the top uh, uh, country for uh, the um, travels uh, during a Chinese New Year for Chinese tourists was actually Thailand. Mm. Uh, in Southeast Asia, and second place was actually Japan. Uh, and uh, I've seen some figures, uh, you know, that's been released uh, about the three hundred to four hundred thousand tourists uh, uh, probably arrived uh, uh, in uh, Japan right. uh, during this uh, period. So uh, this is uh, all these uh, show that there's a revival uh, in both uh, Singapore and Japan, and uh, many uh, sort of retailers uh, as well as uh, people mm. uh, uh, celebrating the uh, Chinese New Year were excited. Mr. Xie, it seems that uh, after three years of the pandemic, this is uh, almost the very first time that the Chinese uh, from China's mainland be able to travel as they do, as they did before the pandemic, uh, both domestically and also internationally, especially to the neighboring countries. Certainly, there's a lot of the uh, mainland tourists uh, going over to other, other countries, Southeast Asia, North Asia, Clearly, are the you know, natural locations, but we also see 
many many tourists going further away into let's say the barren road countries as well as all the way to Europe. So we also beginning to see that the Chinese New Year is not only about you know uh, a Chinese phenomenon because many other countries are also celebrating the Chinese New Year in the kind of destinations I mentioned uh, just now. Absolutely. And even in the Chinese cities, we see a revival of uh, traditions. For example, temple fairs, uh, for example, uh, village fairs. All of these have not only uh, satisfied the um, a tradition of the locals, but also attracted uh, tourists from within China. For example, some of those uh, who uh, live in the mega cities want to travel to the county level in order to set off fireworks and firecrackers, and at the same time to observe how long-time tradition is being handed down through generations. Mr. Liu, I'm sure you have uh, some memories of those traditions since you're from uh, Yangzhou, a wonderful and historic city of China. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you've been going to the temple fairs in Beijing, I hope. Yes, I, I have been there to Tang Temple Fair. You know, I, uh, my the Temple of Earth, so as they say, it's one of the most yeah, important yeah, the uh, praying Earth. places by the emperor in ancient times to the gods of yeah. the earth. Because so many people have been there, so visiting there, so many people crowded, especially for those young people and the children that are so gathering, very happy, they buy some different uh, articles, especially for local food. Uh, Beijing, uh, Good food in the free market, so many people crowded, uh, exciting. It, my, the most impressive is that the, the calligraphy, uh, the pictures there, because they show the, the traditional paintings and the traditional Chinese cultures there. And also, of course, that shows many the local food, the, and the, especially for the Beijing uh, style food, especially for only for the uh, Beijing uh, era, so it's quite impressive. Not only the time the, the Temple of Earth, but also I went to Miyun, that not uh, before the uh, another big temple that almost uh, started is a good temple that for many people to pray for good fortune uh, for this year and for good health of the people of the family mm -hmm. members because we know that this time is a good time for family re reunion and also. Young generation also it prayed for the older generation and the old generation parents always try to protect and defend even a good prayer for the young. But also um, celebration in the theaters, of course. Uh, we know the latest figures suggested the New Year movies, which is the movies that you, they show during the New Year season. Uh, the box office has already uh, exceeded about 5 billion RMB so far over the past one week. Um, so, Mr. Xie, how do you, as an economist, uh, looking at this tradition that China has formed over the past 20 years, put on movies during the New Year season and also the families can go to movies together? Yeah, certainly, this is a very smart move. Um, you know, when people have time together, and uh, when family together can go to do something at the same time, going to see movie is always a very good exercise. And we also know that the um, production people are very smart too. They will come up with they, you know, very attractive movies during this this time every year. And so this this year is no different. And we see 
a lot of sort of uh, very popular movies that come out during this time. So in general, this is a very good move. And, uh, you know, we're seeing people staying in the hometowns to go to movie places, right, to see to watch movies. But we also, we also see people leaving the hometown and go to other places to do tourism. So we're seeing different diversified activities during Chinese New Year, which is, which is really good. Mm. Of course, uh, the Chinese local-made movies have uh, occupied the uh, box office, especially with the special uh, advantageous uh, policies at this moment to put these movies in the movie theaters during the uh, most coveted time of the year. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Lim, how do you see the practice like this in China? Well, uh, movies are part of the uh, popular cultural uh, industries, and uh, the popular cultural industries is indeed uh, booming in uh, China. Uh, and uh, China has become the world's largest uh, cinematic uh, box office. And so you can see that it has become a very important market uh, for movies that's made uh, around the world. And we are likely to see also the growth of uh, indigenous uh, uh, in uh, cinematic industries in China, given that there is a large regional popularity in certain genres uh, of uh, works from China, for example, sci-fi uh, movies uh, and books from uh, China. This is likely to uh, also resonate with uh, regional uh, audiences yeah. and perhaps uh, in the near future, global audiences as well. That's likely to be uh, a possible trend uh, moving forward. More than... 273 million passenger trips were already handled by China's transport sector on Sunday. Uh, that is uh, the latest number we have, and that's likely to continue to rise as we are seeing. This is already the fifth day into the uh, uh, traditional Chinese New Year. and uh, We see people are coming back home. Uh, well, others are taking this opportunity, a uh, time difference, quote unquote, to travel outside. Any general impression, Mr. Xie, when you look at these numbers to understand the mentality of Chinese consumers and also the mood of the Chinese public uh, in terms of how they view their free time, how they see festivals should be celebrated, holidays should be spent, uh, any takeaway? Yeah, I think the takeaway is that the Chinese uh, consumers now uh, do have a lot of degrees of freedom. They can either choose to stay in the hometown and go to see movies, as an example, or they choose to travel. And they also have different options in travel. They could certainly take the high-speed rail, which goes all over China, as you know, anyway. They can also choose to fly. They fly within China, but also they can fly internationally. And as I know, actually, this Chinese New Year, the number of people who decide to drive uh, by themselves uh, or through you know rent car rental has increased significantly because people will want to you know drive themselves and to go to destination of their own choices mm -hmm. without following a certain fixed itinerary set by others. So we're beginning to see this diversification of choices that the Chinese consumer have uh, among the menu of different options. So I think in general this reflects the fact that the Chinese consumers have a diversified set of interests and they can fulfill their interests through leveraging different options in the mm -hmm. traveling uh, ways. Mm. Mr. Liu, 
obviously, you see the Chinese consumers are looking for experience-related activities, whether it is traveling or going to movie theaters or uh, uh, others as well, visiting the Temple Fair. What does that say about, you know, what the general public is uh, looking for uh, in life, in a way, uh, after three years of pandemic? And you see uh, strong desire of people to travel outside China. People really are having strong desire to travel. What does that say about people's curiosity about the rest of the world? And how much, you know, it is likely to bring back as a result of this traveling to the home country about what they saw, uh, what they listened to, what they heard, and how they interacted with the rest of the world? Actually, you have a very important question because many people outside of China also try to ask me how and why the China has so high inspiration or enthusiasm to travel everywhere. I said not only because of the three years pandemic, but I think from the Chinese culture itself, from the China's philosophy, that it's a very openness and harmonious is the goal of the Chinese culture of the people. They like to travel, they wish to travel, and also they prepare to travel at all the time. So in this way, we find that the Chinese economic development make all this travel possible. That is the basic reason that Chinese people have enjoyed a better life. They have a better income. They have a better condition to go abroad and also in domestic market. That's why they are inspired to travel everywhere to show our confidence, to show our happiness. Of course, the Chinese economy right now is facing uh, a period of transition. Now, there are challenges during this period of time. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, despite of the situation, you see people's desire to travel, not only to their hometown to see their loved ones, but also to different parts of China to learn about different traditions and to learn about something that's different from what they have in their life, um, and also to travel internationally. What does that say about the mentality of the Chinese right now, particularly after three years of the pandemic? How much are they looking forward to be interacting with the rest of the world? And how can, if possible, the rest of the world can benefit from that, not just financially, but also uh, in other aspects? Good question. Uh, the three years pandemic have uh, suppressed uh, the demand side of the Chinese consumer for a long time. So for some people, this recent phenomenon of Chinese traveling again is uh, you know what they call the revenge, uh, revenge consumption. But I think I think it's more than just revenge consumption. In general, you know, with the opening up and the reform over the last several decades, the Chinese have become much more outward oriented. They are very interested in the rest of the world. They like to integrate and you know uh, integrate and interact more with the rest of the world i think this phenomenon that we're now seeing is a reflection of that and i believe that consumption or the increase in consumption is going to become a very important part of the economic recovery of china coming this year and maybe even beyond this year mr lim after years of difficulties many chinese individuals together with 
you know, many around the world have been having a second thought about what life is about. If we talk about a little bit of philosophy here, about how to celebrate life, what is important about life, and what is the, the relationship should be like with their loved ones. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, actually, the uh, travels do reflect what you've mentioned about uh, life's uh, aims, because there's a general shift and trend in tourism towards experiential tourism. Experiential tourism matches uh, sort of life aspirations and preferences for something new, a new experience that they want to have. So it's a very different form of consumption. Uh, in the past, uh, before the pandemic, uh, consumption would mean going to the mall, buying uh, branded uh, luxury items, uh, and also consuming, uh, you know, uh, uh, consumer items uh, to satisfy uh, one's uh, needs. But today, uh, the aspiration is much higher. Mm. Uh, now it's become experiential. And that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to know more, search World Inside or check out our YouTube channel. Follow us on X and Facebook. I'm Tian Wei on behalf of the team. Thanks for being with us. Bye.